Well, Happy New Year, Arbor. Yeah, that was a little, little, let's try that again. Happy New Year, Arbor. There. Oh, gosh. Thank you. Thank you. We're off to a great start. Uh, Hayden's breaking my guitar. We're, uh, we're going well. Things are going great. That was my guitar. Dang it. Uh, tis the season, right, for resolutions. So uh, if you uh, made your resolution of coming to church more often in 2020, you're off to a great start. You're one for one. So well done on that. Uh, new year, new you. Uh, this week, this, this week has been wonderful for me leading up to this. I'm just telling you, uh, between the secret is for pastors after Christmas Eve up to New Year's, we kind of take a break, uh, and we kind of relax and it was wonderful. I stayed at home with my family the whole entire time. Uh, we didn't do any projects around the house. We just relaxed. It was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But I am excited to be back and to, to jump into this. I'm excited for 2020 and what, what it holds here at the church. And so uh, I want to start us off. Let's start here. Um, think about this, maybe. Right now, who you are is a sum total of the choices that you've made up to this point. Same thing for with us, me, same thing. We are today a result of the choices and the decisions that we've made in the past. And tomorrow will be decided by the decisions and the choices that we are making right now in today's day and age, in this moment. Um, our choices matter. Our choices really do matter. Maybe you've heard this before, maybe you haven't, but I love it. It's this statement that life is not determined by chances, but by choices. Life is not determined by chances, but by choices. That was never more clear than 20 years ago when I was 23 years old, and I basically would refer back to this day as the day of change. Uh, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You will have a monumental moment where you made some decisions in that day that changed the trajectory of your life. This was that day for me. I, uh, I had dated a gal for two years prior to that. I thought she was the one. She didn't think I was the one. And uh, so she broke up with me, and after two years, I was devastated. I had moved and orchestrated my life kind of surrounding her. I had a job um, near where she lived, and I didn't like that job. I lived in an apartment. with It was, it was kind of intense with the roommates that I have um, inside of there, but I moved to be closer to her, didn't like where I lived. Um, I had trouble at the church that I was at. It was a church that she chose, and it was a little bit awkward there, and so we were volunteering in that way. And anyway... So I felt really, at 23 years old, it's laughable, but I felt stuck. I felt like, oh my goodness, my life is set, the course is set, and it's just falling apart, and it's all downhill from here. Um, I went out to lunch with a friend of mine, and very rarely do you remember a statement that someone makes 20 years ago, but I remember every word that he said, he said this to me, and it made such an impact. He says, Jake, I know you feel stuck, but if you want to change your life, Choose to change your life. If you want to change your life, just change it. Change your life. And so I'm not kidding you. That had such an impact on me at that moment, at that lunch, that I left that place, that lunch. I went out, and I called my parents, and I said, can I come back home? And they said, sure. So in that day, I went back, and I quit my job. I gave them my two weeks, and they said, hey, you don't need two weeks. You can leave. This could be your last day. And I'm like, yay, great. All right, so that was it. I left my job. I stopped by the church. I let them know that I wasn't going to be volunteering anymore, and I'm sorry. And they said, okay. And then I actually went home to the apartment with the guys that I was living with, and I said, hey, look, I'll continue to pay rent, but I will try to find you a new roommate, but I need to go. And so I left there. And in one day, my entire life went one direction and then turned the other direction. And I changed my life. If you want to change your life, choose to change your life. 
We're talking about change. We're talking about choice um, in this series. And there's a handful of critical choices that we're going to make that we're all faced with um, that affect our lives, not only today, but affect our lives for eternity. And I want to spend this series talking about some of the big ones. And so today, to set us up for the first choice, the message that we'll be talking about today, I'd like to ask you to close your eyes just for a second. So if you would, please me. Close your eyes, everyone in here. I want you to use your imagination. I want to imagine that in your world, and you're going to like this, that everybody likes you. Like everybody. Not one person that you run into does not like you. Everybody waves at you. Everybody smiles at you. Everywhere that you go, everybody approves of every single thing that you do. You can't make a mistake. You poop gold. That's how it is. Everybody loves you. They not only love you, but they admire you. You are like the Tom Hanks of the world. Can do no wrong. Everyone wants to be your friend because everybody likes you and loves you. That's That's it. Can you picture it? Okay, open your eyes. It's never going to happen. Never, ever. What you just imagined is impossible. That will never happen. There will never be a world in which everybody likes everything and every choice that we make. It's just not reality. Imagine a different world, if you will, in which we're not so consumed with what other people think about us, but we are consumed with what God thinks about us that we are so focused on pleasing him that the opinions of others fade off into the the background. Like they fade away. The first one is impossible. The latter is actually possible. One of the biggest decisions, one of the biggest decisions that we can make is this, is to choose purpose over popularity. To choose purpose over popularity. The problem is, for so many of us, by default, we choose the opposite. We choose popularity. We choose the opinions of others. Now, some of you, I know because I would be you in the audience at this moment, will struggle, will rail against this. You'll say, I won't, I can't, you know, I I just, I cannot admit that the opinions of others greatly affect the decisions that I make. But I'm going to ask, if I was in a place of vulnerability that you would be too, that you would be honest with yourself and you'd really take a look at how much do other people's opinions of you affect how you live your life. Because I would venture to say that it has a big impact. Because see, what happens is that when we don't understand our purpose, we end up wandering and squandering and wasting what we were created to do. We wander, we squander, we waste it. We don't know. And so let me see if I can try to explain and illustrate what I'm trying to say in this way. Um, By a raise of hands, can anybody tell me what this is? Or you know what this is. Okay, if you know what it is, everyone, don't say what it is. Don't say what it is. If you know what this is, everyone must participate. Raise your hand if you know what this is. Great. Go ahead and put your hands down. Say nothing. Everybody else who doesn't know what this is, and it's okay because I didn't either, raise your hand if you don't know what this is. Okay, hold on right there, okay? <laughs> Keep your hands raised. Okay, I, no, I just, I, no, we're not going to volunteer on this one. Thank you, David. <laughs> Thank you, David. I want you to guess. Keep your hands raised. All right, so Bob in the back, what do you think the function of this is right here? Sometimes you're getting mute for something your kids know. <laughs> Bob! You're not supposed to raise your hand. That's exactly right. That is exact. How did you even get that? 
You are a doctor. I knew that. I knew you were a doctor. All right. Well, that is nuts that you actually would be able to guess that. I did not guess this. I was sitting at the table. I was at the table or standing with my wife and changing our baby, and I pulled this out of the drawer. I had no clue what it was about. I mean, it could be for changing oil or something like that. But what this function as, I'm not making this up, is that you stick this part into the nose of your child who cannot blow their own nose when they are sick. And you literally, catch this, suck out the mucus. You suck it out with your mouth. Like, so you truly, you picturing this with me? My wife told me what this is, and I told her I will never in my life doing this. I will get a divorce before something like this happens. I cannot handle that thought of like putting this in my kid's nose and slurping it out like a Slurpee. It's not going to, not happening. It's called a nose Frida is what it is called. A nose Frida. Not the best thing ever. I can't believe you said it's the best thing ever. It is not the best thing ever. It is the grossest thing ever. I mean, I literally was talking about it with Garrett in my office earlier, and my stomach, I was getting sick, and I had to stop. I watched a video because I thought I got it wrong. I said, Garrett, do you know what this is? And he said, yes. And I said, well, you put this end in your kid's nose, and then you suck on this end, right? And he's like, no, don't do it right now. Don't do it. So I watched a video to make sure what it was, and it looked like, like a parent was abducting their child <laughs> when they were doing this thing. It was ridiculous. So don't watch a YouTube video. That's all I'm saying. Here's my point, right? I do have a point in this. If you want to know the purpose of a thing, you don't ask the thing, you ask the one who created the thing. I'll say that again. If you want to know the purpose of a thing, you don't ask the thing, you ask the one who created the thing. So many do not know the purpose of their lives. They don't know the purpose of why they're here. And what ends up happening is way too often, what we do is we go to other people and we say this. We say, I'm a thing. You're a thing. Hey, thing, will you tell me what my thing is? Right? Will you tell me what my purpose is? And what we end up doing is we end up doing this. Do you like me? We ask that question. Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like my shirt? It's new. I got it. I got it. I didn't wear it for New Year's Eve, but it's new. Right? You like my haircut? I recently got my haircut. It's great. I like my haircut. You like my new shoes? Yes, yes. I like my new shoes. They're just like Garrett's. I want to be like Garrett. I like Garrett. Do you like Garrett? I like Garrett. Hey, did you see my post on Instagram? Are you following me on Instagram, first of all? You see my post? I put a lot of time into the filter, a lot of time into the caption, but you didn't comment. Why didn't you comment? Are we okay? Everything okay? You like me? Do you like me? Do you like my car? Right? I, I mean, it's my car. Do you like my car? Do you like my house? Am I making enough money? Do you think I'm important enough? Do you think I'm important? You like me, right? Do you like me? I think you like me. You got to like me. You don't like me. What's going on? You have to like me. And what we end up doing, people, before long is that many of us are all of a sudden, without noticing it, we're living for the approval of others. We're doing this. We're asking the other things, the other humans in our life, what is your purpose? What is my purpose? What's my purpose? When you want to know the purpose of a thing, you ask the maker of the thing, not the thing. Do I fit in? Am I good enough? Do I measure up? Are we okay? Do you approve of me? And we try and find meaning in what people think, and we forget that God created us for a divine purpose. If you want to know the purpose of a thing, you don't ask the thing. You ask the person who created the thing. Here's the big thought. You can write this down if you'd like. The problem is this. Living for the approval of people keeps us from the purposes of God. 
Living for the approval of people keeps us from the purposes of God. Anytime we're consumed with what people think of us, we tend to forget what God thinks of us. In fact, the the fastest way to forget what God thinks about us is to be um, obsessed with what people think about us. As long as we are consumed with the approval of people, then we won't be living for the purposes of God. And friends, what I want to do is I want to challenge you, I want to challenge all of us today. And that is this, is that we would make a choice. We would choose purpose over popularity. And so let me give you an example of a guy who did this. A guy in the Old Testament, he lived in Old Testament times, but the author of Hebrews actually wrote about him in the New Testament. His name's Moses, and many of us are familiar with Moses. He's a household name, if you will. But maybe if you're not as familiar with Moses, you didn't know that he was born a Hebrew slave. He was born a slave. He was born into slavery, but he was, through a crazy chain of events, adopted into Egyptian royalty. So he had a silver spoon life in front of him. But yet, instead of choosing comfort, Moses chose calling. Instead of choosing popularity, Moses chose purpose. Look at this in Hebrews 11. It says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose. Say that with me. He chose. Come on, say it again. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. Now that's very interesting because it's Christ we're talking about here and Moses never met Christ. He was in the Old Testament. Christ is in the New Testament. But what that actual word is, it's it's a Greek word for Messiah. So as we look backwards to Christ for faith, they used to look forward to the coming Messiah. And so that's why he references Christ. He says, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ, the Messiah, as of greater value. That's huge words there. Greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because, and this is the why, he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses chose purpose over popularity. Now, I want to take a quick second, just a quick moment. I want to try to disarm, kind of demystify the word purpose, because I've been in ministry for a long time, and one of the things I've noticed over the years is that people seem to get, I guess, a little freaked out, a little wigged out, you know, a, a little hung up, tripped up on this idea of discovering my purpose, What is my purpose? Capital P, purpose. Why am I here? What is my destiny? Am I supposed to be a missionary? Am I supposed to cure cancer? What's my big P, purpose? And so just for a moment, I want to ask if we could zoom in on not the big P, the capital, what is my destiny in life? I want to look at the little P, the day after day purposes that we run into. Not the big one, but the moment-by-moment little p. My purpose for this time, my my, my purpose for this situation, my purpose around this person, what is it? Maybe my purpose over here in this situation is just to be a voice of hope. This person has no hope. They're struggling. Life's going terrible. And so I can be a voice of hope and a voice of encouragement and encourage them. That could be my lowercase purpose in this sense. 
Or maybe it's on the other side. Maybe it's, you know, you see a need. There's a need in front of you and you see it. And maybe it's not this big thing, but it's just, ah, I can fill that need. And so my small purpose, my lowercase purpose for this is simply to fill that need. Or maybe you have like a psycho boss, right? Out of control. She just says whatever she wants to say and does whatever she wants to do or he wants to do. Maybe your lowercase purpose in that case is to simply pray for them on a regular basis. And to be a light in the office. There will be a light around the workplace. And so I'm not talking about the big overwhelming, what am I going to do for the rest of my life purpose. I'm talking about the lowercase. What Paul talks about is walking with the Spirit. He says walking with the Spirit. I want to be faithful in the small things. With the small P purposes that are coming around me. And then slowly what God will do is he will give you bigger things. He'll add to that. Bigger things that will come on long there. And as you are faithful in those and the smaller things and the bigger things and they get bigger, all of a sudden you find yourself in a place that, oh my goodness, this is what I was made to do. And you get there by following and understanding the little lowercase p in purpose. And with purpose, friends, there's power. And we've got to understand that, is that with purpose, there is power. There is power in purpose. Let me try to explain it in a few ways how there is. And number one, purpose. Purpose diminishes distractions. When you have purpose in your life, it diminishes distractions. And one of the biggest distractions that almost all of us wrestle with is the curse of comparison. It is comparing. It is looking around at what everybody else is doing and what everybody else has and I don't have. Ah, she is, she just, she went through college fast, man. Like three years. I'm like on the 11-year plan. What is going on, right? She's just knocking it out of the park. Or, man, they got a lot of money. Why can't I make money like that? I wish I had a house and a car and everything that they have. I'm behind. I feel like I'm behind. Or everybody's married and, and they're starting to have kids and I'm still single. I'm still sitting here and I'm still single. What, what about me, God? And we're worried and we, what we do is we compare here and we compare there. And what happens is when you have a focus of purpose, it diminishes the distractions on the side. When you compare, 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 it will take you nowhere. Purpose diminishes distractions. Probably the best example of this in God's word is Nehemiah. Nehemiah if you haven't heard that story, man, that guy was brokenhearted. Why was he brokenhearted? Because the walls in Jerusalem were broken. They were destroyed. They were broke down. They were demolished. They were compromised. And so these walls actually provided protection. It, so the, they, were, they were defenseless. Nehemiah's people were vulnerable to weather and wild animals and enemies to come in. And so Nehemiah was compelled to do something about the situation, kind of the little P moment, right? Hey, there's a need. Maybe I, can, maybe I can meet it. And so he meets the need. And what happens is he rallies the people and they charge and they start to rebuild. And he's a good leader. And he's leading people in a great way. And they're rebuilding the walls of their, of their town. They're rebuilding the walls of their city. And they're providing protection. And in the midst of this, when they're doing it in record time, there were a few. And there's always a few, are there not? A few people of voices of discouragement, voices of distraction, people that are saying, you can't do this. In fact, there were three individuals that would say to him, stop what you're doing. Get down off the wall. This is foolishness. 
Don't be doing this. It's not worth it. You are wasting your time. Nehemiah, get down. Get down, Nehemiah. Come on, get down from the wall. And I love this, and I imagine that Nehemiah didn't even look up at them. He didn't even make eye contact. He's still swinging the hammer on the side of the wall, and he's saying, I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. He said, I can't come down. I can't be distracted in this moment by your opinions. I am doing a great work. And friends, some of you need to internalize that this morning. You need to internalize this because you are doing a great work and you can't be distracted because you're doing a good work. When I started Arbor, I was asked lots of questions in the very beginning. When we started this thing rolling, why another church? The church is dying. We've got to move on from that. The world is changing. We should change with it. It's a sinking ship. Why another church, Jake? You're not equipped to do that. You've never done that before. You shouldn't do that. You, no, no, no. You shouldn't. You're not ready. You can't. You're not. And in that moment, I chose not to listen because we were doing a good work. People now come in and they'll say, why do you do church like that? Why don't you do church like this? When I did it at my old church, this is how we did it. And that sure seemed to be effective. Why do you teach that way? Why don't you walk straight through the books of the Bible? That's how every single other person do it, except for Jesus. But let's continue on that. All right? Why do you have women elders? Why do you have women pastors? Come on. Haven't you read the Bible? I got that email. Hell yeah, I read the Bible. Come on. I read the Bible. I know what it says on the topic. We looked into it. But I can't be distracted by fighting with you. We are doing a good work here. This church, this staff, the faithful volunteers that come in week after week are faced with distractions and disruptions and discouragement. And I'll just shoot with you straight. Straight up attacks from Satan himself. Truly, you can't. You shouldn't. You didn't. We don't have time for all that because we are doing a good work. Friends, people are coming to Jesus because of the good work we're doing here. People have grown in their faith. People who were displaced from churches for one reason or another are finding a home right here. People are being encouraged. People are being prayed for. People are having needs, real needs met right here. People are hearing the message, the life-changing news of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis because he is being lifted up and glorified. I am super sorry. I don't have time for the distractions. We are doing a good work, and we will continue to do a good work. Friends, maybe you're brown bagging it these days, right? You're going to work, you got a brown bag because you're trying to get out of debt, Right? You've been in debt for a long time, and it's a good thing to get out of debt, so you're trying. And maybe some people are wondering, why don't you do this with us? Why don't you do that with us? Here's my encouragement. Don't, don't be distracted. Take heart. You're doing a good work. Maybe you're at home with the kids day after day, and you're, you know, you're a stay-at-home parent, and you're like, what in the world am I doing? You're banging your head against the wall, which stop touching that and come here when I told you and leave that alone, you know? Take heart. You're doing a good work. Maybe you're trying to stay pure. You've been holding off until you get married, and that's, this is not a pure world to live in. 
Maybe you messed up in that and you're trying to find redemption and you're trying to find a new path of purity. I'm telling you here, take heart. You're doing a great work. Doing what God calls us to do. Others will not understand it. They may not like it. But I, wanna, I just want to say as your pastor, take heart. You're doing a good work. Keep on keeping on like Nehemiah did. Don't get distracted by the naysayers and those who want to come up and rail against you, especially when you are focused on the purposes of God. Because what purposes do is it zeroes in and gives you focus, and it diminishes the distractions. And one of the biggest distractions we have is comparison. Another power that purpose provides is this. Purpose pushes us through pain. Purpose pushes us through pain. Whenever we have purpose, it comes with a motivation to keep on going when things hurt. And so many of us, especially in this church, have experienced pain when we're pursuing God's purpose. I will tell you that this, this that the pathway to pay, uh, purpose is always paved with pain. Truly. It is always. You may think I'm the exception. No, I'm sorry, you are not. It's the same every single time. It was for Moses. It was for David. It was for Esther. It was for Mary. And it definitely was for Jesus. And it is the same with us. It will be for us. Pain comes when you're pursuing purpose. But what purpose does is it allows you to push through the pain. Whenever we're doing what God calls us to do, there is a spiritual enemy that will resist us. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we meet resistance from him. In fact, friends, think about this. We should be surprised if we're not. If we're not being resisted, if we're not running up against naysayers, if we're not running against pain or situation like that, we should be surprised because the devil's like, ah, they're not making much of an impact. Just let them be. I'm going to go attack this guy, this gal over here. We're pursuing God's purpose. And when we do, we will meet resistance. And we need to recognize that with purpose, pain gives us the opportunity to push through it. Um, prime example of this, so many of you know what this is, um, childbirth. My wife has had given birth to four children by the means of natural childbirth. I'm just going to tell you this. I have, um, I've been present for all four, um, at least physically. I've been present for all four births. Uh, there's nothing natural about natural childbirth. It is scary. It is so scary. If I was there, I'd be like, drugs, please. I'm ready to go on this. But my wife, she's like, no. I want to do this the old-fashioned way. And she's amazing. She's so strong. And she has never complained. Just once when I breathed into her face while she was pushing. But other than that, <laughs> other than that one time, right, I, apparently I had a monster drink to try to stay up for the whole thing. She didn't like how it smelled. But she told me about it. And we're good. We're good. <laughs> but she's gone natural. And she has never complained. Why? Because she had a purpose in what she was doing. She knew, and it has happened, and you experience it. When that baby comes out, and you push through the pain, and you're holding that baby, it's all worth it, right? You don't even remember the pain. I'm like, honey, do you remember what happened five minutes ago? No, 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 I got a baby. I got my purpose sitting right in my lap. My purpose for my life, move forward. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise this thing. It's crazy. And so we should not be surprised. We will suffer in certain ways, but pain pushes us through it. Peter actually said this. He said, don't be surprised when you experience hurt when you're pursuing purpose. The apostle Paul is even more nuts. He's like my wife in the sense that when he was suffering for the cause of Christ, he actually reveled in it because he felt closer to Jesus in his pain. 
Because Jesus experienced pain. Jesus himself, catch this, he said, they're going to hate you like they hated me. They hated me, therefore they're going to hate you too. And so pursuing his purpose, God's purpose, is going to come with pain. It is. It's going to be hard. I'll tell you this, so I'll just be honest with you. The job of being a senior pastor is way harder than I thought it would be. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know that ahead of time. In fact, um, I've had lunch with Howerton, my former senior pastor, probably 24, 36 times since then, a couple dozen times uh, since we have started this church. And almost every single time that I sit down with lunch with him, and you can ask him if you see him again, you could ask him um, what Jake says every single time, and it's this. I am so sorry, man. I am so sorry for how hard I pushed you. I had no idea the weight that you were carrying. And it, it's, it's just like when you say, well, you don't know what it's like to be married um, until you're married. You don't know what it's like to have kids until you have kids. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I know. And when you don't have kids and you hear that statement, you're like, ah, whatever. It's kind of irritating. But there's no way to know um, what it's like to be a senior pastor until you're a senior pastor and the pressure you get put on. It's not the pressure of, like, can I write a sermon or can I make decisions for the church or how can we help these people? It's the relationships that's difficult, right? You have to make calls going one direction or another and people are very passionate about what God's word says and the direction that you choose. And so they may not agree with you and I've had more struggles and friendships since I've started this job ever and it's been more painful than any other, you know, outside of losing Maggie, it's been the most painful thing that we've ever done. And I'm not trying to say this to give sympathy and like, I'll oh, feel bad for me. No, I want, I want you to hear this. I want you to relate. I want you to understand. And that is this, the reason I keep doing what I'm doing is because I know my purpose. And purpose pushes you through pain. My purpose is to do this. I was called to do this. We were called to do this and to start this church and to keep moving it forward so that people will know Jesus and come to know him on a deeper level. And so therefore, we keep pushing through all the stuff, all the tough parts, all the naysayers, everything. That's why we continue to do it. And so how do you handle the critics? All right, because we're gonna all have critics. You lean in to our God-given purpose the purpose that God has given to us. We lean into that. How do we handle it when we get hit after hit? How do we deflect? We deflect it in a way of focusing and leaning into the purpose that God has given us. How do we withstand the pain, friends? We cling to Jesus. And we lean into our God-given purpose. Pain, purpose pushes us through the pain. It really does. Last thing that purpose does is this, is that purpose empowers us to please God. Purpose empowers us to please God. When Pharaoh tried to stop Moses, uh, Moses wasn't detoured because he knew his purpose. When the people of Israel were frustrated and wandering in the desert and complaining and criticizing Moses and rebelling against God, Moses wasn't detoured. In fact, he stayed on task. He pleased God. Purpose empowers us to please God. Prime example of that in the New Testament is Peter and the apostles. And I've talked about this before. I love this. I love that at one point in time, the, the religious leaders told Peter and all the apostles that you can't talk about that name anymore. You can't preach that name anymore. You can't share that name anymore. And what I find so interesting is that 2,000 years later, right, or 2,000 years ago, it was that name. What name is it? It's the name of Jesus, right? They were beaten. They had been thrown in jail a handful of times. 
and yet God provided them a way out. They couldn't talk about that name, the name of Jesus. 2,000 years later, do you guys catch this? There's still one name we can't talk about publicly. We could talk about God. We could talk about spirituality. We could talk about, you know, different things like, uh, like uh, supreme being or higher power all day long on a talk show radio, but we cannot talk about the name of Jesus. That's too offensive. It's too far. It's too divisive. We're not going to mention that name. Why is that? Here's why. It's because that name is above every other name. There is no other name in which we can be saved. Friends, one day, we're all going to, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess at what? The name of Jesus. That's why. And they're saying, you can't mention that name. You can't preach that name. You can't talk about that name. Acts 5, it says this, religious leaders said, we gave you strict instructions, never again, to teach in that man's name. But verse 29 Peter and the apostles answered, we must, we must obey God rather than men. I care more about the opinions of God than I do about the opinions of man. I'm sorry that you're instructing me no, but there's somebody else I need to listen to. I must obey God rather than man. Why? Because we can't please everyone. We can't please man. It's impossible Right? You can't please everyone. I can't please you, 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 every single person. I can't do it. It's impossible. Think about it, right? It's like, do you like my shirt? Right? Do you like my shirt? Do you like the music that I listen to? I like the music I listen to. Do you like my house? Do you like my car? Do you like my jeans? Do they make me look fat? I sure hope not. Do you like the dinner that I made? Do you like my plans? Do you like my ideas? Do you think I'm smart? Can we hang? Should we hang? Let's hang. I want to hang. You want to hang? Right? I texted you, but you didn't respond. Why didn't you respond? I saw the bubbles. The bubbles were there, but then the bubbles went away, and then now I don't know. But you should, I mean, it's like 17 minutes ago. You had time. I saw that you read it. Are we okay? Are you okay? I think I'm okay. We're okay. What do you think about me? What do you think about me? Do you think I'm fun? Right? Do you think I'm funny? You like my jokes? You definitely, you, got, you like my stories, right? You like the one about the nose, Frida? That was good. I worked hard on that one. Yeah? We okay? We okay? We okay? We okay? Yeah? No? Do you like me? Do you like me? You like me? You like me? Are we good? What do you think about me? What do you think? Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you? What about you? Here's what I found. You can't please everyone. You can't please everyone. Friends, you can't please everyone, but you can please God. You can please God. It's possible. Look at what Paul said in his example, he says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If people pleasing or pleasing people were my goal, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul also said this, I love it. He said, more than anything else, we want to please him. Who's the him? It's God. We want to please God, whether in our home here or there. We can't please everyone, but we can please God. We can't please everyone, but we can please God. And so how do we please God? We walk by faith. That pleases God. Whenever we walk by faith, we please God. Whenever we handle the, the, the lowercase p purpose that are right in front of us, we please God. Whenever we die to ourselves in order to live in Christ or allow Christ to live through us, we please God. God. And friends, this is, this is the best part. 
when you get to the point where you no longer care so much about what everybody else thinks about you, it is the most freeing place to be. You are set free from the opinions of others. Because what do their opinions matter anyway? I get it, friends. I understand I'm human. I want people to like me. We all want people to like us. And there's nothing bad about somebody liking you. But there's something more important about pleasing God rather than trying to please every other person. So there's nothing wrong with popularity, right? There's benefits to popularity. But there's greater benefits when it comes to the kingdom of God. And we need to recognize that we are set free from the opinions of others. That's, that's what happens when you choose purpose over popularity. I want to conclude with Moses. Here's what Moses said. Actually, he didn't say this. This is what was written about him in verse 26. It says, he, Moses, regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of, and this is incredible, greater value. Greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward of greater value, a greater value, a greater value. Friends, there is, like I said, value in people liking you. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's greater value in God loving you. There is value in things of this earth, but there is greater value in the kingdom of heaven. There is value in having comfort but there is greater value in fulfilling your calling. There's value in popularity. There is. But there is greater value in serving God's ultimate purpose for your life. Not just the big P, right? Not just the big capital purpose, but the small purpose. Like Paul says, walking by the Spirit. Finding the little purpose in front of you and fulfilling that in the name of Jesus. That, friends, is so freeing, so freeing. And it's what God wants to give us. He gave us his life, and he wants to give us life in return. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And so my hope and my prayer throughout this series is, one, that we would make the right choices, but today that we would choose purpose over popularity. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.